welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. I want to go ahead and ask you this morning if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 is where I'm going to be focusing in on my text today to preach from. But I'm going to be leading up to it. So it might take me a few minutes to get there. But y'all be patient and bear with me. Amen. So... We've continued now uh, as we read the Immerse Bible study, and I continue today with the uh, Immerse uh, sermon series. We are reading and understanding the Word of God. How many of y'all are enjoying the Bible study that we're doing? I've heard so many wonderful testimonies of people that told me they have a a new passion for the Word, and it's created a, a discipline in their life to make them sit down and really spend more time in the Word of God. So I'm grateful Uh, for what God is doing through this Bible study. So what we're doing, if you're new to us here, uh, we started in January, the beginning of January, and we're reading the New Testament together. It's going to take us about eight weeks uh, to do that. And then on Sunday mornings, uh, as the Lord leads me and guides me, I'm highlighting a few things that we've been reading to reinforce what we're learning uh, each week. And then on Sunday nights, we come back together to really go deeper Uh, in our small group time to discuss the Word of God. And man, we had a huge turnout here last Sunday night of people just hungry for the Word. And I pray that you will be back tonight as well, okay? Be back tonight and be ready to discuss. So if you were reading this week, maybe you don't have the Immersed Bible, maybe you have your regular Bible, you should have been reading the book of Acts and you should have read First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, This upcoming week, uh, you should be reading First and Second Corinthians. Those are the letters that Paul wrote. He actually wrote uh, Thessalonians and Corinthians, but we'll talk more about that uh, next week. But just to do a little quick review before I get into my main text today, last week we talked about uh, a, a, a doctor, Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, we focused on what really the, the theme was there, and he was talking to a gentleman by the name of Theopolis. How many of y'all remember that story? And he shared with him one of the most famous and most uh, uh, special stories in the Bible, and it was the story of the prodigal son. And Luke was reminding us through that parable that he recorded that when Jesus was speaking, that God loves everybody. Aren't you grateful this morning that God loves everybody? That Amen. That, That no matter where you've been in your life and no matter what you've done in your life, God still loves you. And in that parable, we learned that Luke... Uh, was telling us that no matter whether you're running away from God and running away from what He wants you to do, if you've never surrendered and you're just turning your back on Him and you're going in a different direction, guess what? God still loves you. And Luke was telling us even when you've made a decision in your mind, in your heart, now in your direction to return back to God, even no matter what you've done, you're returning back. Guess what? When you're returning back, God still loves you. And then we learned also that he loves us even when he's restoring our lives back together. He, he puts our lives back together. How many of you are grateful this morning can clap your hands that Jesus puts your life back together? He can do it. 
He can do it. And he can put your life back together. He loves everybody. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Man, I'm grateful for God's love today. And Luke reminded us of that love. And now we move into the day of uh, the book of Acts. And Luke, while he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing in the book of Acts. And he's writing to remind us and to tell us a few things that the book of Acts is really a continuation of what Jesus was already doing. But now he's going to do it through his spirit-filled church. And we see in the book of Acts God uh, using the church to go and spread the gospel all across the world to the ends of the earth. And we read in the book of Acts, we see uh, that Luke shares with us that the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the believers, giving them power to take the gospel from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. Aren't you grateful that the gospel came to you? Because it's the gospel that's the power unto salvation. And now we open up the book of Acts and we see at the very beginning... When you open up Acts, you see this resurrected Jesus. You see Jesus there, and he's about to ascend back up into heaven to the right hand of the Father, where he'll take his place at that throne of grace where we have access to. Aren't you grateful for that? And it says in the book of Acts that Jesus is there at the beginning, and he's, he's resurrected in body, and he's reminding his disciples, he's reminding his believers that they must stay in Jerusalem, stay there, and wait for the gift that has been promised to you. What gift was Jesus talking about? The gift that Jesus was talking about that was promised to them was the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to wait there in Jerusalem and you will receive this gift that's been promised to you. And when that Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. Aren't you grateful today for the power the Holy Spirit gives in our life? We can't do it on our own. That we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then when you flip over into Acts chapter 2, Luke tells us that one day, uh, on the day of Pentecost, that you read in there that the followers of Christ were together in one place when all of a sudden, uh, like the sound of a blowing of a mighty wind came from heaven and what seemed to be tongues of fire rested on the believers. And listen to this, all of them were baptized with the Holy Spirit. All of them. Not some of them, not ones that were a little bit further in their walk and some that were further back. No, all of them that were gathered in that place were filled with the Holy Spirit. And friend, that baptism with the Holy Spirit is for us today as well. And we need to receive that power in our life. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says they began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. In other words, the Holy Spirit took control of their life. They were no longer in control. Now the Holy Spirit was controlling their life. And as they were speaking in tongues, people from around started to gather and some were amazed but because they began to hear this unknown language that was actually native to their own language and then some were there to, to, uh, to uh, see what was going on and some were there and they began to accuse the followers of Christ of what? Being drunk. They accused him of being drunk. And, and then Peter, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, he steps up and he preaches a powerful gospel message and 3,000 souls are saved on that day. Glory to God. That's the power of the gospel. 3,000 people saved. Peter stood up and preached a powerful message. He was full of the Spirit. He wasn't full of no wine. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And as we move into chapter 3, this is where I'm coming into my text today, headed into chapter 4. Luke begins to tell us 
he begins to tell us about Peter and John and how they're on their way to a prayer meeting one afternoon. And while they're on the way to this prayer meeting, they, they run into this gentleman who's a crippled man. He's a crippled beggar. He's been crippled all of his life, and, and every day he's placed out in front of the temple there at the temple gate, and when people go by, he begins begging them for money. He's crippled, he can't move, and he just sits there and he, he begs for money. And on this day, Peter and John are walking by, and they meet this gentleman, and this beggar asks Peter and John for money, and I love what Peter replied. He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. He gave that man something that money can't buy. He gave him the power of God. He gave him Jesus. The Lord said, you know what? You can't give somebody something you don't have. Let me ask you this morning. Do you have Jesus? Do you have the power of God in your life? You may have the silver and gold, but what I want more than anything is the power of God operating in my life. And this crippled man, he was healed. He was healed, no doubt he was healed. The Bible says that he, he started walking and then when he started walking, then he realized he had his feet under him. He's been crippled by birth and he gets his feet under him. Then he starts jumping. He starts jumping then he starts praising God. And that's what it looks like when your life's been changed by the power of God. Man, you didn't know how to walk, but now you got a new walk because the Spirit of God is in you. You're saved, and now that you got the Lord in your life, and you don't have this fear anymore, and now you know you're on your way to heaven, you can start to walk a little bit, start to jump a little bit, and start to praise God that He's turned your life around and He's healed you. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? And this man was healed, and guess what? Another crowd is formed. Another crowd wants to see what's going on. We've known this man. We've known this woman. They've been messed up all their life, and now God has turned their life around, and a crowd comes to see what's going on. Isn't that just like some nosy folks? <laughs> that won't even in the notes, Lord, help me. They gathered around, and I love it because Peter, he saw an opportunity. And he says, guess what? Here's another crowd. And Peter, he steps forward again, full of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to declare another powerful message of the gospel. And he tells them people that Peter and John, we didn't do this. The God of Jesus, this God, he raised this man back to life. He's the one that changed him through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And he gave God all the glory. And it says that after he preached that message, 5,000 were saved. My goodness. Lord, help inspire my faith sometimes to believe God for even greater things. But there's power in the gospel. But while Peter, listen to this, this is where I'm going right here, and we're going to park here and highlight this today. While Peter is preaching this message, there's a group of religious leaders, the, the religious establishment of that day, who were mainly made up of Sadducees, and, and they're greatly disturbed because Peter and John were proclaiming that in Jesus there's the resurrection of the dead. And the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that you could be raised back to life. And they, are, uh, they arrested Peter and John, and they put them in jail. They put these men in jail for their faith. Would you be willing to go to jail for your faith? They put them in jail. And that was the first sign, the first wave of persecution that we see in the early church is when Peter and John were put in jail. 
And then the next morning, they bring Peter and John back out, and they bring them into this, like a courtroom setting, and they have an interrogation to them. And here's what they ask Peter and John. They say, by what power or what name did you do this miracle? And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, said, it's by the name of Jesus, the one God raised from the dead did this. Man, if I'd have been him, I'd have just dropped the mic right then and walked off. And these religious leaders, when they heard the response from Peter that, that the God who raised Jesus from the dead, they were furious. They were furious. And it says that they threatened Peter and John not to ever use the name of Jesus again or else. Listen to me this morning. These people that Peter and John are standing in front of are the same people that killed Jesus. If they're willing to kill Jesus, then don't you know that they were threatening these men's lives and telling them, and they won't play it around. They meant business. They meant business. So after they were severely threatened by the religious leaders because they feared there could be a riot started, Peter and John were released. So here's my question. What in the world did Peter and John do after they were released? Did they, did they run and flee for their life? Did they run and hide in fear? Did they abandon the other believers and leave them? No, here's what Luke says. Luke says when they were released, they went to a prayer meeting. When they were released, they went to a prayer meeting. And listen to this right here. I'm going to pick up on verse 23 in Acts 4, 23 through 31. And I'm going to share with you this prayer meeting. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, listen to this. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Say together. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. And here's what they prayed. Listen to this. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David, our, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. Remember, they're praying now. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, God, you're in control. And listen to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Say boldness. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. That was their prayer. Let us pray. God Almighty, I thank you again for your holy word. I thank you that your word is alive. I pray right now, Lord, that it would just land on fertile ground right now, Lord, and inspire us, encourage us, and give us hope today, and most of all, transform our lives, God, to be used for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've named this message today, The United Church. The United Church, because the Bible says that they came together. They came together. Friend, when we come together, there's power. Amen. 
And we need to come together as the church. And the early church, they came together. They came together united. First of all, I'll tell you, they were united in prayer. They were united in prayer. Here's what Luke tells us. He says that they all came together and they lifted their voices together in prayer. Some people may be uncomfortable when we come into a prayer setting and all different kinds of people praying at the same time. But you know what? They did it in the Bible. They all lifted their voices together at the same time and they begin to pray. There's a time when you pray together. There's a time when someone leads. But it's okay when everybody comes together and pray. And we see in the Bible, especially the book of Acts, how vital prayer is to the early church and it should be vital for us today. The disciples are gathered in the upper room and they're, and they're praying and seeking God when the Holy Spirit comes upon them on the day of Pentecost. If you keep reading, you'll see that once the church was established, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the word of God and they devoted themselves to prayer daily. They believed in the power of prayer. And now, here we are, and the church encounters this first wave of persecution they were encountering some unstable times due to the opposition that was coming against them. I want you to notice something. When things started to heat up for them, when things started to turn for them, when things started to get bad for them, when things started to go wrong in their life, what did they do? They united in prayer. They united in prayer. And God help us to be a church that will do the same thing. God help us to be a believer who will do the same thing in our own life. When things start to heat up in our life, when trouble comes in our life, when, when things start to come against us, when our world begins to fall apart all around us, God help us to come together and unite in prayer. Because there's power in prayer. When our lives become unstable, when our, when our families become unstable, when, when our marriages become unstable, when, when our money becomes unstable, when, when our future becomes unstable, let us be like Peter and John and let us seek to God. Let's seek God in united prayer. It says they raised their voices together and they called out to the sovereign Lord. I'm not going to read you that whole prayer again, but it's a powerful prayer. But I want you to notice what happens when they begin to pray in a united way. When they pray this united prayer, their eyes and their hearts are open to how great and powerful God is. Friend, we can be so overwhelmed and so unstable because of the things going on in our life, but if we never take time to pray, we're just going to be flooded with all kinds of emotions and we're going to start to feel like that we're, that we're losing the victory and that we're defeated. But if you'll come together and grab another one's hand and grab somebody else's hand and say, let's pray, let's pray, let's unite together, your eyes will be open, your heart will be open, and friend, you'll see how great and how powerful God really is. He's able, friend. This united prayer lifted their face to trust God that no matter what they were facing in their life, God was more powerful. Despite the rise of evil that was coming against them, their eyes were open to know that God is still in control. He's still in control, friend. No matter what you're going through today, God is greater. God is more powerful, and He's still in control. And because the church was united in prayer, I love what it says here in the Bible. It says, because they were united in prayer, they experienced the supernatural power of God at work in their lives. And Luke tells us that when they prayed, when they prayed, the place started shaking. 
The place started shaking and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And that just tells me, friend, if we'll come together in united prayer, God will begin to move some things in our life. How many of you need God to move some things in your life? You need God to move in your heart. You need God to move in your life. You need God to shake some things up, friend. It's all going to come when the church will begin to unite in prayer. That's why this past Tuesday night, the ministry leaders that showed up for the vision casting meeting, we had a time of united prayer at the end to pray a fresh anointing over their life as we go into this new year of ministry. That's why on the fourth Monday night at 7 p.m. here in this worship center, we have something called FaceTime, and you're all invited. It's a church-wide prayer event where we invite you out to come here, and we seek the face of God, and we pray for lost souls all over the world. And let me tell you something, friend. God is answering those prayers. We're seeing souls being saved. We're seeing lives being changed. And it's all because a church will unite in prayer. So God help us. I heard somebody say one time, a church that prays together stays together. And we need to pray together. How many of y'all have ever heard of a, an evangelist by the name of Leonard Ravenhill? Raise your hand. Probably not many. I want you to listen to this quote right here that stepped all over my toes and then slapped me upside the head. Listen to this. Talking about prayer. Great man of God. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, and we fail everywhere. Friend, if we don't unite together in prayer as a church, we're going to miss out on the blessings of God, and we're going to miss what He wants to do through us. There's power. If we're going to be an effective church in these last days, friend, we have to. Please listen to me. We have to. We must. It's a command. We must unite together in prayer so we can see the power of God. Who cares about the silver and gold? Yeah, beautiful building. Yeah, beautiful carpet. But no, we want the power of God. When they walk through the doors, we want the power of God to get a hold of their heart. The power of God's going to be what breaks addiction off their life. The power of God's going to be what puts their marriage back together. The power of God is going to be what gives them hope again. And it's going to come through a church that's united in prayer. God help us to be that church. They were also united in power. In this united prayer, we see them praying for power, praying for boldness. They said, may your servants, they said in their prayer, may your servants speak the word of God with great boldness. Friend, the church, they need boldness because there's a great opposition forming against them. And the establishment, the religious establishment is trying to silence uh, Jesus' name. They're trying to remove Jesus from the culture. Isn't it, isn't it something that 2,000 years later, that same antichrist spirit is moving today to remove Christ and to silence the name of Jesus from being proclaimed? 
Peter and John, they faced these attacks when they, when they stood for Jesus. And I want to just tell you something. I want to let you know right now. I'm going to go ahead and warn you as your pastor. Listen, if you take a stand for Jesus, if you ever get so serious and so bold that you're willing to take a stand for Jesus, sooner or later, there's going to be opposition come against you. I'm telling you, it's going to come. Someone that I admire so much today in our culture is the Reverend Franklin Graham. You, you look at the bold stance that he's taking now. You look what he's doing now, standing for the gospel, standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man is under constant attack. But I appreciate his boldness to be able to stand in the face of opposition. We need more men and more women like Reverend Franklin Graham. And I praise God for him. There's a real battle going on today. I'm telling you, please listen to me. Please, there's a real battle going on today. Political parties are forming to try to remove the name of Jesus, to try to silence Jesus. The government's working to try to remove Jesus. These anti-Christian groups, their, their goal is no more using the name of Jesus. No more using the name of Jesus or else. No more Jesus or you're going to lose your business. We've seen that. No more mention the name of Jesus or you're going to lose your job. You won't be coaching no more. You won't be teaching no more. You won't be working in the school system no more. We've seen that. No more Jesus or you're going to be uh, put in prison. No more Jesus or we're going to kill you. Let me tell you something, friend. The battle is real and their goal is to remove Jesus and silence his name from being proclaimed. And when you stand up in the world today outside these doors and you mention the name of Jesus, you better be ready and you better have some boldness about you. So God help us today. You know what Jesus said? He says, when you see these things starting to happen around you, don't, don't be surprised. He said, don't be surprised because here's what he said in Luke 21. He says, I'm warning you, you're going to be hated by all men because of what? My name. You're going to be hated by all men because of my name. To some people, that name just rubs them the wrong way. To some people, that name just makes them cringe. But I don't know about you, but that's a sweet and precious name to me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, help us today to be like Peter. Boy, I, I tell you, you know, you try to... Man, I, I, I wish I'm, one day I'm wishing I was like Moses, one day I'm wishing I'm like Paul, and today I'm wishing I'm like Peter. So full of the Holy Spirit and so bold that when he's interrogated, he looks at the religious leaders, these people who are anti-Christ, these people who want to silence Jesus and remove Jesus. Peter looks at them, and guess what he says to them? He doesn't kind of beat around the bush, and he doesn't, his voice doesn't crack. He says, you know what? I'm standing in front of you, and you're the ones that killed Jesus. You're the ones that killed the Messiah. You killed the anointed one sent by God. You killed Jesus. But guess what? God raised him back to life. And now salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven for which you can be saved. Friend, you can try to silence me, but I'm going to obey God rather than man because Jesus is the only one that can save your soul. Hallelujah. Now, I added my commentary on there at the end a little bit. It didn't quite go like that. Salvation is found in no one else. In other words, here's what Jesus was, here's what Peter was telling them. He's telling them, guess what? Your religious works are not going to save you. 
coming through the door, putting money into the offering plate, uh, singing in the choir, shaking the pastor's hand, going through the religious works, none of that's going to save you. He's telling them as well, guess what? Moses can't save you. And I'll go even further. I'm telling you today that Buddha cannot save you. I'm telling you today that Muhammad can't save you. You know why they can't save you? Because they're dead. And my Jesus is alive. And he can save you, friend, because he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. I serve a resurrected king, and his name is Jesus. Glory to God. And let me just tell you right now. If you ever run across a preacher or anybody teaching a, a, a Bible class or they try to come into you and, and whisper some stuff to you and they try to tell you that there's all kinds of roads that lead to heaven, you better run as fast as you can away from them, friend, because those are false teachers. And Jesus said this right here. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the words of Jesus. And he's the only way. Listen, if we're going to be able to stand in these last days, we need to be a church united in power. This is not a time for the church to be silent. This is not a time for the church to retreat and give in to the pressures of our perverted culture that we live in today. This is not a time for the church to live in fear. If we will unite in prayer, the Bible says that we will receive power. We will receive power and boldness. And I love what the word says. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. You don't have to be afraid, friend. No matter how dark things get around us in our culture, you do not have to be afraid. The unified church will have the power of God working through it. Power that will enable you to have boldness. How many of y'all could use a little boldness in your life? Come on, friend, we all need it. Boldness to, to stand up for Jesus Christ in these last days. Come on, friend, we need a boldness to stand up for Jesus. It, it amazes me how, how we'll just jump the gun and we'll stand up for somebody in our political party. You, you talk about the Republicans, and boy, somebody will stand up in a minute and they'll just go to defend and they'll stand up. You talk about the Democrats, somebody will jump up and stand up and begin to defend them. Why in the world won't they stand up for Jesus? It amazes me how we'll stand up for a sports team. You let somebody say something bad about Carolina, I'll be ready to jump on them. You let somebody say something about Duke and somebody will be ready to lunge on you, friend. We'll stand up for the sports teams, but why in the world won't we stand up for Jesus, the one that saves our souls? May we, may we have a boldness for Jesus in 2019 and stand for him. I know for me, I've been praying that God will give me a bold, bold prayers and bold faith. Do you realize that every day you should walk? This is what the Lord dropped in my heart over the weekend. That, that, that when we walk every day in our Christian walk, friend, that we should be taking some kind of step of bold faith every day. If everything is comfortable and you don't want anything rocking your world and you're just going along and everything's fine, you won't never really experience the great power of God. But you start walking and doing some bold prayers and some bold faith, he's going to take you some places, friend, that you would never even imagine. And he, we should be walking that way every day, taking bold steps of faith. I want to be bold. I want to be so bold that I can go into a lost world and, and go to hurting people and declare over them that God can rescue them and God can save them. 
I want to be so bold that I can declare the word of God over a parent who has a son or daughter and I can stand in front of that parent and I can stand in front of that child and I can speak the word of God boldly and say to them, I don't care if your daughter's on heroin. I don't care if your son's on crack. My God can set them free. Hallelujah. I want that boldness. I want that boldness to be able to walk into a dark situation or a dark culture and be able to say that God is the light and God brings hope. I want to have a boldness that I can walk up to a coworker or to a friend and declare to them it with boldness and speak the word of God over them that God can put their marriage back together. I want to be able to walk, maybe you can walk into a school or, or walk up to a friend and have a boldness that you can declare the word of God over their life and say, you know what? You don't have to live with chains of pornography over your life. You don't have to live with uh, alcoholism over your life. My God can break those chains off of you, and I declare it now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the boldness I want. That's the boldness I want. I don't want to be talking to them and, and, and shy away and, and kind of play patty cake with them. No, I want to better stand in there and like they prayed, speak the word of God with boldness. That God will give me a bold faith and a, and a bold prayers as we pray over them. They pray, God, you're a God that performs signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. That's what I want to proclaim to a lost and dark world. God, give us boldness. God, give this church boldness. Every, every believer that's here today, God, we pray for a fresh outpouring of boldness over our life now. God, unite us together to have power that you can work through us, God, so we can speak the word of God with boldness. I'm not talking about something that you heard on Dr. Phil or Oprah, friend, that you're going to share with somebody that's going through something. I'm talking about you taking your Bible that you're reading every day now and you can say, you know what? I read this morning there were some people that were in bondage but God made a way for them to come out and you might be in bondage to sin. You might be in bondage to something in your life but I'm telling you, friend, if you will grab a hold of the hand of God and you will kneel down at the cross and give your life to Him, He will bring you out. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. He'll bring you out. I want to say it with boldness. A bold love, a bold mercy, a bold grace over our life in the name of Jesus. Pastor Kevin, if you can come and help me. Because I don't feel like stopping today. And they might be ready to stop. United in prayer. United in power. How many of you talk, how many of you are tired of walking around feeling defeated like you just, you know, you're scared to even speak up at all and even mention his name? It's, it's fine in here, but when you get to work and you get around other people, you, you feel that, that fear trying to grip your heart, friend. That's when you need to get on your knees and grab the hands of the people around you and pray for boldness. That God will give us power and boldness. And then finally, as I close, they were united in purpose. They were united in purpose. Help us to be united in purpose. Their purpose was to glorify God. Their purpose was that God would be glorified through lives that have been changed, people being saved, people being delivered, people being healed. They wanted God to be glorified through all. That's our purpose. That's what God wants for us, for Him to be glorified through everything that happens in this church. Not a church being glorified, not a person being glorified, but Jesus being glorified. 
We have a purpose here in this church. I'm going to ask you, if you will, skip a slide there, uh, Johnny, and go to that seek, save, seek, serve, and share. That's, that's God's purpose for this church, that we'll seek the lost, serve the suffering, and share life together as we grow spiritually. That's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what we want to do is be like Jesus. I wrote this statement here and shared it with the leaders the other night. Here's our purpose for this church. We will be a praying church that loves God and loves people, all people. We're a place of hope for anybody from anywhere. The heart of this church is to be like Jesus by seeking the lost, serving the suffering, and sharing life together as we grow spiritually. I want you to know something. In a recent study done right here in our community, we were informed that in a five-mile radius from right here, there's 12,000 people in that radius. 3,000 of them. Can you put that slide up? 3,000 of them are unchurched. Now, they don't tell you if they're, they're saved or not because some people will tell you to save, but they never go to church. So they ask them, do you go to church or do you not go to church? And 3,000 out of that 12 say they're unchurched. My question to you and the question God has for me is what are we going to do about it? What, what are we going to do about that 3,000? Because in that 3,000, guess what? There's some little Hispanic kids. Guess what? In that 3,000, there's some teenage Asian kids. Guess what? In that 3,000, and I just blew my mind, there is a great number of single moms all around us. Single moms trying to raise their children, raise their families all by themselves. What are, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about this 3,000? Do we really care if they die without Jesus that they're going to go to hell? Do we really care? Do we really care? Do we really, really care? Because if we care, friend, we will have a purpose. And we can go out and we can reach them with the love of God so God can change their life and turn it around. Do we really care? Do we really care that there's people, there, did you notice there's little kids in our community right now that we've had to turn away at times because we, have enough, we don't have enough room on the van to get them here. Is there somebody that really cares about that 3,000 that you'd be willing to sacrifice a Sunday morning and drive a bus to go pick up some little babies and get them here so they can get Jesus in their life? Now, do you really, really care? God help us. God help us to be united in purpose so we can continue to reach souls for the kingdom of God. Friend, it's all about people being saved. If we ever forget about the main thing, it's not about always coming in here and just uh, encouraging and rubbing elbows and fist pumping each other. Friend, there's a mission for this church, a purpose, and it's to reach and seek the lost. If, if everybody under the sound of my voice had one family member this year that you know that's lost, a friend that's lost, and you would begin to pray for them and begin to love on them and begin to invite them and share Christ with them, maybe by the end of the year, they'd be saved and following God. Who's God laying on your heart this morning? Is there somebody around us that you know that's lost and they need Jesus? Who is that person this morning? Are you willing to pray for them? Are you willing to witness to them with boldness? 
Are you willing to share Jesus with them so he can heal their life? Would you stand with me, please? The only way we're going to be able to reach these people is through united prayer, united power, and united purpose. Listen, if you're ready to unite together, and I know it's going to be hard for us to do, but just for the next few minutes, if you could just bless my heart in some way, somehow, and if you can, I understand, but could you just make your way out of your pew or your chair and just try to feel the aisles, feel the altar here, and let's take just a few minutes and let's unite in prayer that God would just bring unity that he would remove all division, that we would be in one accord, and that as we go forward, that God would use this church in 2019 in a fruitful way. Would you do that, please? Come on, right now. If you can't get out, I understand you can.